1: Hello
0: and welcome to Awesome Etiquette,
1: where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect and honesty.
0: On today's show, we take on your etiquette questions on whether or not to post guest lists publicly, how to ascertain if you're being asked on a date or to go out as friends, asking for silence at the salon and a great question about greeting guests.
1: We've got your feedback, etiquette salutes and a postscript segment on international courtesies. Coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute.
0: I'm Lizzie Post.
1: And I'm Dan Post-Senning.
0: We got- Good home life stuff going on, right guys? We do. <laughs> I've been stoked. My friend as I told you all had moved in and I'm getting text messages that say things like, "Hey, I'm thinking of inviting a couple friends over." And it's just like, "Wow, the communication is awesome." Just a level of awareness that, "Hey, having people in your space is kind of a thing if they're not your friends coming over and to have a friend living with you who actually says like, "Hey, I'm doing this Monday night. Would that work for you or is that good?" And Of course I'm going to say yes, because of course she should have her friends over whenever she likes. But it's just so nice to be thought of like, hey, this could impact you. How's your week going? Does this work for you? It's just nice.
1: Makes it feel a little more like a home, a little less like just a roommate that passes in the kitchen occasionally. Exactly.
0: And not like you're going to wind up with just strangers on your couch on maybe you've had a tough Monday or something like that. It's just, it's incredibly thoughtful. And it's been, it's been really, really nice. So it's nice to have kind of the home front on a steady state.
1: Well, and we tend to hear about, things when they go wrong. It's really nice to hear about something going smoothly. It's like a little
0: etiquette salute.
1: (laughs) It is like a little (laughs) etiquette salute. Roommates getting along, houses uh, humming along, having their own rhythm, having their own breath.
0: Absolutely. And your house is about to experience a start of a new rhythm, right?
1: It is indeed.
0: Today and tomorrow are kind of really big days for you
1: at home. They they come together. Yeah. Um, Today is Pooja's first day back at work. Yay! We had a a checklist to be sure we got out of the house in time, and I was sitting here in front of this microphone this morning, and it was really nice. We've been commuting together for years now, and to be back in that car together, sharing that commute, having that check-in time, just the two of us, it felt very familiar, and in that spirit of good communication was really nice time.
0: You said just the two of us, and I'm just realizing that because, let me guess, grandma or other auntie grandma is going to be taking care of Anisha today— and that means that you two really did have alone
1: time on your commute. We did.
0: I haven't thought about that till you just said it. <laughs>
1: Grandma, auntie, grandpa, pass-off.
0: <laughs> Grandma, auntie, grandpa, pass-off. I like that.
1: <laughs> Indeed. And, and it's all
0: right next door.
1: <laughs> and I'm already, I'll, I'll, I'll confess, I'm already starting to project, starting to think forward just a little bit and reminding myself, be present, stay in the moment, because tomorrow is my first full day with Anisha all by myself. Ooh!
0: It's a big day for a dad. It's a big day.
1: So we were as we were driving in. I was sort of <laughs> confessing that I, I imagined the grandparents were feeling some nerves. Yeah. Um, and I could sympathize because I think I'm projecting a little bit because I'm feeling those nerves just a little yeah. bit myself. Also. How did
0: did Pooja give you any tips on the car ride in this morning, or do you think she's going to kind of give you the like? I don't I don't want to say – because Pooja is so not a controlling woman. Like, that is not her personality. Like, I could imagine if, you know, I let my own kid go with a husband for the first time. Like, oh, but – and don't forget, she, like, she loves this when this happens. And then there's this. It's like all the tips and tricks she wants you to succeed
1: with. Well, she woke up with her checklist. So I got a little bit of a buffer. We went through oh, that good. as we did the handoff with Grandma. So I sort of I, – I, I watched it happen and um – um Again, mentally preparing myself for a very similar experience tomorrow
0: morning. (laughs) Well, good (laughs) luck with it. We have something else we want to talk to our listeners about today.
1: We do. I would call it housekeeping, but it's not. It's more important than that. It really is. As you've heard us say at the start of just about every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we do our recording at the studios at Vermont Public Radio.
0: And we are so grateful for this studio time, for the support that the Vermont Public Radio community and all the employees here give us, as well as just the friendly faces we see when we walk in and we get our coffee and we do our thing.
1: These are related. Relationships that have come to really matter to both of us, and we really appreciate it. I was definitely thinking as I was driving you with Pooja, listening to Vermont Public Radio, (laughs) and... Listening to the fun drive that is happening right now, how important the support that Vermont Public Radio gets from this community and the larger radio listening community is.
0: We hope that you will consider making a donation to Vermont Public Radio to help support the station that keeps awesome etiquette both on the airwaves in Vermont and in your life right there in your pocket on your phone. (laughs)
1: So if you feel inspired to contribute, we definitely wanted to share the the call-in number. It's 1-800-639-6391, or you can visit vpr.net. They will make it very easy to support the station that supports us so much.
0: And with that, we would love to support you by getting to some of your questions.
1: Let's do it. The Heart of Awesome Etiquette is answering your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so that we know you want it on the show.
0: Our first question today is totally a a modern etiquette problem. Emily never dealt with this question in the same way that we are. And the question is titled, The Perceived Practicality of Posting Guest Lists. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I really like the podcast, and I have some questions about hosting and attending gatherings. Over the last couple of months, I have seen many friends find themselves in awkward situations. Someone will ask if someone is attending something that another person was not invited to. I try really hard not to do this unless I know someone is invited, but I've made the mistake when assuming the dynamic of a friendship. Facebook, Evite, and Paperless Post offer public and private guest lists. Public makes it easy to know who you can and can't say anything to. I'm seeing more and more private lists. I live in Los Angeles, and for people who are involved in the entertainment industry, I can understand wanting to make sure information is kept private. For situations where most of the guests know each other and might want a carpool because parking in L.A. stinks, it's easier when others know who they can mention it to. When I'm hosting something with limited guests, I send an email letting people know that it's not an open invitation so they can see who's invited. I feel sharing lists makes it easier on me as a host to not have to answer questions. Is it bad etiquette to ask a host if someone was invited?
1: Anonymous. Anonymous. So this is definitely a a very contemporary twist. on a. I, I would call it a classic etiquette question, but it's not necessarily a classic because it's such a contemporary twist. But there is a traditional point of etiquette that applies here. And the first sort of foundation that we want to operate from is that, yes, it is bad etiquette or poor form to ask a host who else has been invited to an event. It can feel like you're checking in to be sure that the crowd is one that you would want to be associated with. And the idea is that you would say yes or no based on the merits of the invitation, based on your relationship with the host, that it's not about who will be in attendance and whether or not that's going to be up to your standards, whether or not you're going to assess the quality of that guest list, but whether or not you trust them to invite you to uh, an event or a gathering that you would want to be a part of. And it was also a real point of etiquette in Emily's day. One of my favorite tips from her about hosting a dinner party was to pay a lot of attention to your guest list, to really think about who you would want to invite and to, to have an appropriate mix of people so that there was good and lively conversation and that people were were both entertained and comfortable with each other. And you would even pay attention to who people sat next to and how you made introductions. It was a much more formal time, but we're going to take some of that thinking and carry it forward with us. And we're going to play that hosting role seriously. And as a guest who's been invited, you want to give your host the credit that they've taken that role seriously, that they've thought about their guest list and that you would trust yourself to say yes or no based on whether you're available and whether or not you're interested in the invitation that's been extended.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that is like our primer on, on why you don't do this. And it's why you don't ask people. You really do want to trust that your host is going to create and provide a wonderful evening for you. And so you say to the host, like, yes, I would love to come to something you're hosting. That sounds wonderful. I understand, though, this whole parking dilemma thing. And I could totally understand a place where you would want people to be able to coordinate getting together and getting to the party together. I understand our listener is asking the question of, you know, hey I feel this sharing list makes it easier on me as a host to not have to answer questions. And she's absolutely right. It it does make it easier on the host to not have to answer questions and hosts are often juggling and dealing with a lot of things. But part of being a good host is also answering the questions of your guest. And so I would invite anyone who doesn't look at this as an extreme hassle but more so maybe not their favorite part of hosting and planning events and get-togethers at their home or, or elsewhere, I would really suggest that what you do is not share the guest list, but as you see people RSVP, yes, that you know live near each other, that I think is a good time to connect them and say, hey, you know, Jim's coming to the party too, and he lives in your neighborhood. Are you looking for anyone to carpool with? That would be a really easy way to do it. And I would like to encourage hosts out there to take on that level of entertaining. I think it would be really, really nice. It doesn't mean that all the other versions are bad at all. um, But I think it does kind of allow for both things to happen. The private guest list and the coordination. And if you, the host, can do that, I say, go for it.
1: No, I really like that. It's a version of the... Thinking about who sits next to who? Yes! Or who sits whom. next to whom? Yes! <laughs> um, you're thinking about, all oh, these people are coming from the valley. These people are coming from Claremont. This is Dan's territory, they, just so you know. We're talking about his old haunts. It might be really nice. And I know Dan... Doesn't have a car. Bicycles around Claremont, and could probably use a ride if he's going to get here. So I'm going to put him in touch with Isha and see if she's available to maybe help get him back and forth.
0: And you don't put the burden on Isha without asking her first. So you do exactly what Dan says. You get in touch and you say, "Hey, would this be possible to help out this person?" And that is something I have seen hosts do frequently. Of, "Hey, you know, so and so is in town, and they I just found out their car's in the shop this week. Would you be willing to give them a ride to the party?" And then they can extend. offer and it all works out so lovely.
1: If the event is a a planned enough event where it starts to to tick into that territory of being more formal, the kind of event I think of that as a private guest list, I think this type of approach makes a lot of sense. Yeah. If the event is less formal, if we're starting to descend down that scale of informality where you're thinking about sharing a guest list where it's got a more open feel and vibe, then maybe that, that public guest list is more appropriate. But then I would also not count on that party being as exclusive or that guest list being as private or as limited. It might be another way you could start to have a couple of tiers in your thinking about how to handle these types of situations situations and how much burden or responsibility to take on as a host.
0: Absolutely. And we've had a couple people write in recently about girls' nights or regular gatherings that they do These are the types of things that these are usually within your close circles. You're not likely, and and you will know your friends better than Dan and I will, but you're not likely to offend people by sending that Facebook invite that shows the 10 friends who were invited that all hang out very regularly, communicate very regularly. I certainly know that my girlfriends get together without me at times, and they include me at times, and that's the nature of friendships, and that's okay, but I also really think that we're not Talking about that, that type of when, when Dan and Pooja gather with like their very close inner circle, that would be one you, no one would feel offended by knowing who else was gonna go or who maybe wasn't invited. I think you're in safe territory with the people that you very regularly entertain with to use those more public guest lists. Um, as long as you and your group really feel comfortable and tend to operate that way. I don't want to discourage anyone from doing the quick, easy get together, but for a bigger party or for a more formal party, I think Dan's got it right on the nose.
1: You also just said something that made me think of something else. You said, you know, I understand that sometimes these people get together and it's just they're getting together because that's the most convenient thing. It happened. You don't need to take offense when people <laughs> yeah. have a private gathering or even when people that are within a friend group, maybe there's a, a subgroup that gets together, not everyone's included. Sometimes there's just practical consideration. Sometimes it's convenient. Sometimes it's preference. But whatever it is, it doesn't need to be something that that is hurtful to yeah. other people. And I also wanted to encourage our anonymous question asker not to feel too bad if the, the situation does arise where it becomes apparent that somebody was not invited to an event that other people were invited to. We, we give this advice about weddings all the time. We say that guest lists are really hard things to manage. And it's true when the event is lower stakes than a wedding also. And I think it's a good thing for all of us to remember because it makes life much easier when we're not taking offense every time we're not included.
0: Oh, here, here to that. Anonymous, it sounds like you throw really great parties and that you know your friends and, and you know kind of the scene that you're on. And we hope that you enjoy entertaining and enjoy gathering with all these friends. Awesome etiquette gets support from Storyworth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear jerking to plot twisting. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, storywort dot slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show.
1: Our next question is called, wait, is this a date? Dear Lizzie and Dan, first of all, congratulations to you, Dan, on the new baby girl. Thank you so much. (laughs) My sister introduced me to your podcast, and I can't tell you how much I love it. I'm currently catching up on the previous episodes while driving back from work. It's my favorite time of the day, thanks to you and your podcast. Actually, I have a billion questions, but I will start (laughs) with one I found myself recently confronted with and have no idea how to react the right way. I was asked by a guy if I'd like to go to the movies or have a drink together. I see him as a friend, but not a good friend. We do text each other from time to time and went out with common friends, but never just the two of us. I said, yes, I would love to have a drink, but now thinking about it, maybe I misunderstood him and he was asking for a date. Now, how do I ask him if this is a date and tell him that I'm not interested in dating him or anyone else without hurting his feelings? I don't want to do this while we are having the date. I want to be honest with him from the beginning, but I sometimes find it hard to talk to people about uncomfortable topics like this. Thank you so much for the podcast and keep up the good work. Best wishes from a listener in Germany.
0: Listener in Germany. Um, Thank you so much. I'm so glad that our podcast is is now becoming part of your favorite time of day. That's get really excited about that. So, Dan, I'm going to interrupt my own start to this answer right off the bat. I want you to start us off because when we talked about this earlier, you had advice that I thought was so solid and a good kind of tiptoe but also good boundary setting to be a first option given the circumstances listener from Germany has posed to us.
1: These are such classic and tricky circumstances. We're talking early friendship, maybe early romantic life territory. And (laughs) these are um, gray line boundaries. It's entirely possible that the person who has asked you out, and here we are already starting to use date language, who has asked you to go have a drink, may or may not even know if they're interested. This might be a friend that wants to be a better friend and maybe that is a possibility for more maybe it isn't maybe they know maybe you know hard to know it can really be helpful in moments like these to set some boundaries that you're comfortable with. And I think you're also wise to acknowledge to yourself, to be realistic about the fact that you're entering that gray area territory where people's feelings and emotions might be on the line. Where someone may have felt like they put themselves out there and asked you out on a date. And I think there's some integrity to honoring that and that instinct that you're seeing in yourself. You so, also
0: don't want egg on your face, you right? You also because don't want – they might not –
1: you don't want to assume too much. You don't want to assume that you've been asked out if this is really a soft ask, if this is a get-to-know-you-friend situation, if this is just a let's-be-better-friends situation. Yeah. So there is some middle ground territory where in your uh, acceptance of the invitation, you might start to help set some of those boundaries or suss out the territory a little more. One idea, sample script, I'll give it a try. Go, Dan, you can always say, I'm always looking for a new friend. I'd love to. I'm really trying to make more friends right now. I'd love to. I'd love to get to know you better. Just some some things that really define the territory as what you feel comfortable with it being. Another way that you might start to broaden and take this out of romantic territory would say, let's invite so-and-so. Someone from that middle ground territory. Oh, I'd love to go get a drink, watch a game. You know, so-and-so loves that team also. Should we invite them? And now you're starting to figure out whether or not this is the kind of thing where three friends might get together or whether they're really interested in just getting to know you and spending more time with you.
0: I'm out of a job. My
1: cousin's delivering sample scripts.
0: (laughs) Those are awesome. And I will tell you, as a single gal on the scene who encounters this very situation frequently— It's absolutely a tactic I I use, and it's a good one. Inviting that third party is a real, real interesting way to kind of show that you were thinking of this as just friends without actually saying it. And then the response that you get might be a very gracious, yeah, let's bring him along, even if this was a date ask. But it kind of sets a little bit more of a territory that you're not picking up on the cues. So they might need to really say, hey, would you like to go out on a date Mm -hmm. in order for you to understand it?
1: At the same time, you really want to leave room to say yes and to go and see what happens. And I appreciate the the nervousness about addressing it in the moment if you do go and it starts to take on a, a feel or a flavor of being something where you're picking up on romantic interest.
0: And I think that's exactly why our listener in Germany said, I know that I could go and figure this out, but I'd really like to head this off at the pass. And so if you feel confident... If you feel like you could practice or deliver well, being able to ask this person ahead of time and clarify for yourself, you should feel encouraged to do that. I am always going to be a champion, and I think Dan is too, of um, open, honest communication that just admits uncertainty and seeks an answer. And so I think it would be totally understandable to say something like, hey, Kai, we'll just make up a name. You may find this silly, but I wanted to know if your get together ask was in the friends territory or the date territory because I just wasn't sure. And as I'm as I'm on the scene and moving around with people, I just like to clarify so that I know. And that's a really good way to say, like, I'm not trying to assume I just, you know, when people ask, I like to clarify because you just never know.
1: So I would maybe phrase the affirmative other option as, and I'd like to keep this in the friend territory right now. Do you think that's a reasonable thing to say or is that starting to assume too much about the ask?
0: Oh, that's so hard. I think it's both. It's both good to, to be really clear and it might be too assuming. So I think that's one where you'll you'll know for yourself whether you're comfortable saying it in the moment so you could have it in the back of your head as something that you could turn to if you really felt you needed to make it clear that you're not looking to date. You are just looking for friendships right now. But I think that it's it's not wrong to approach it. And if someone did say to you, um, Yeah, no, dude, we were just going to go get beers and watch the game. I'm not looking to date you. That might be something where you say... Totally understand. I really didn't mean to put you in an awkward position, but I just wanted to make it clear. Had this situation the other time where it wasn't, and it led to awkwardness. And I really like you, and I would love to go grab a beer and watch the game. And da 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 da. So I think that that's that's one avenue to go. But what Dan would you say about the, the listener from Germany says they don't want to go and just find out how it goes, but we we often give the advice to do just that because it leaves you in the territory of not assuming and. If anything's made clear, you can address it in the moment. What would you say to actually saying yes and just going and finding out?
1: I would say have that sample script in mind of what you would do if you started to really get the feel that this was heading into that territory where you're not comfortable. Yeah. And our question asker has admitted that they feel some nervousness about that, that, yeah. that it could be a really awkward moment and that that can actually start to impact and affect the rest of the experience. And I think having some idea of how you're going to handle that if it emerges can help keep you more comfortable and confident in that other territory that you would like to be able to operate in and i would also encourage our our question asker to trust that that little inner voice that this is the subtle gray territory and oftentimes your reading of little cues those those imperceptible shifts in someone else's facial expression body orientation <laughs> position gestures is is the the language that's going to communicate what territory you're operating in and if you do start to 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 hear that little voice, get that little sense that you're starting to cross over from friend territory into date territory, having some idea of what you might say to handle that, I think, can can be enough to take it back into the territory where you're more comfortable. I know how hard that can be. I really do. So I'm going to pass this sample script <laughs> off to my cousin Lizzie, who really is the master of sample scripts. And I'm going to just pat myself on the back. I managed to get a couple out today and see what my uh, more experienced cousin in this territory has to say. <laughs>
0: I appreciate that. I appreciate that because um, you can handle this two two different ways. You could either go the over explain it or you can keep it very simple and just say, I know we've always hung out with each other as friends. But tonight I got the sense that maybe this was a little bit more in date territory or that this was a little bit more of a date. And I just wanted to make it clear that I'm, I'm really interested in a friendship and that that's what would work for me because... I really like spending time with you, but friends is
1: is where I'm going to be comfortable. I feel really well rejected right now. I'm just sitting across from you hearing that, just so you know.
0: (laughs) Um, I'm glad you feel (laughs) positively rejected. But I think what you're trying to do is is you're not trying to overdo it with language um, that's like, I think you're so amazing and wonderful and the right person is out there for you, but I'm just not it. No, that's like gag me. And so don't go there. Keep it very simple. You, of course, are only going to say this if this is very clear that this is a date and i think that that's when you you bust out that territory but you don't you don't go there unless you're very very certain the final thing that i really want to bring um bring up during this topic is that remaining positive and kind is so important No matter what, if it turns out that this person was romantically interested in you and you are not returning that, be positive and friendly and kind when you see them. There's no reason to be embarrassed. There's no reason to be uncomfortable. This person is someone that you have gathered with with other people and had a good time getting to know a little bit in those circumstances, and it's okay to return to that. To go up to him at a party and say, "Hey, you know, what'd you do last weekend?" or something like that, and the more that you can normalize the friendship and not try to treat it with kid gloves, not try to overprotect someone, you don't know how much they liked you. They might have just kind of been a little bit interested and, oh, nope, you know, you're not dating anyone right now, so that's just not a thing. Or they might have have been a little more interested, in which case the kindness of not being awkward is, is so nice. Either way, that kindness is is really important part to remember in moving forward beyond figuring out what this ask actually is. Listener in Germany, we truly hope that this helps and it gives you different avenues for exploring how to handle this tricky etiquette situation.
1: When you two met, there was probably an early physical reaction, a romantic attraction that pulled you together, that hits you sort of boing. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I have a question that I would appreciate your insight into. I often go to get my nails done, either a manicure or a pedicure, at a local salon where I routinely see the same technicians. As a mom of two young kids, my half hour or hour at the salon is a tremendous respite for me. I love to sit and read or even catch up on a favorite show on my phone while I get my nails done. Is it rude of me not to chat with the technician? If not, is reading more acceptable than using earphones to listen to music, watch a show, or is any of that okay? Consideration and respect might dictate that I talk with the technician, but honesty would say what I really want is a break. These are the best etiquette questions because you're trying to balance the things that are really important principles of etiquette.
0: And paying attention to how this might affect the people around her despite what she very much so wants for herself. Awesome, awesome, etiquette kudos. Bravo, golf claps. You can totally achieve this, I think. I would have a pleasant exchange with the technician as he or she greets you. I would be sure to, if these are people that I regularly see, I would mention something. Oh, love the new haircut. Or, ooh, what color do you have going on today? Or, you know, whatever it is, you do that thing that makes it a little more than just hi-bye. high bye and i think that it would be very easy for you to walk in there and say carol do you mind if i put my headphones in and watch a show while my nails are done today i don't want to bother anyone else but i could so use i could just use the time out the break myself Most technicians are in the wonderful mentality of they are giving you a break and pampering you a bit and doing something that is pleasing and lovely. And anyone who's ever had a manicure or pedicure knows that it is a relaxing thing to have done. So I think you're going to have a very warm reception to this, especially if you're offering to use headphones so that you don't bother other people in the salon. You say to him or her, please feel free to give me a tap or get my attention somehow if if you need to ask me anything. These are the ways that let someone know you're not trying to just wall up and close everything off, and you're not trying to take everything over with your own needs. And I think there's just no no reason why that doesn't fall into good etiquette-ask territory. I really want to put emphasis on making sure that your interactions at the start and end are friendly and very engaged. That is how you won't come off as rude, in my opinion anyway. (laughs) I
1: I couldn't agree more. You might even find that your technician really appreciates the option, the possibility, the the clarity of communication that's going to allow them to do their job. And oftentimes I think people that work at salons think of that rapport, that back and forth with a client as part of their job. But I think it can also be nice for them to have a break sometimes of 20 minutes, 30 minutes where they get to just cut hair or do nails and have a clear boundary and know what the expectation is. As long as you've got that humanity, that basic courtesy of the greeting, the parting, the acknowledgement that that there is a technological (laughs) device in the room that could impact other people, either in how it walls you off or if it were loud, bothering other people. The only thing that I would add to this question is that I would avoid talking or chatting on a phone Absolutely. during a salon visit. Yeah. I talked about this on the Today show a couple <laughs> years ago. <laughs> And that was the one piece of advice that we could all agree on, that if you were really bothering other people who were there for their moment of sanctuary, that that's another level to the consideration. It's about you. It's about the technician (laughs) and also the other people who are in the salon and being subjected to one half of a conversation when you're a captive audience, when you're also head in the hairdryer or hands (laughs) in the bath, that you really – there's nowhere for you to go to escape. So as long as you're doing those things, I think you're going to be in great shape.
0: Rachel, we really hope that this allows you to approach the H for honesty in a way that you feel supported by and that still allows for consideration and respect to those around you.
1: The curls, swirls, and waves that constitute a hairdo require skill in the hands of the hairdresser and patience on the part of the customer. Our next question is about who plays host?
0: I love this question because it is both at the heart of etiquette and it's one I think a lot of people experience. Typical scenario at my house, husband lying down on the sofa, and my kids or I bring a friend in, and he continues lying down, shoes off, soles of his feet, facing the guest, ugh. I say it's polite to sit up, not necessarily stand, but make some move to show regard and respect for whomever it is that's visiting. What do you say? Need more manners in my home. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) I like
1: the ug in there. (laughs) I I can see why you love this question. And at at the risk of coming in to arbitrate or settle uh, a home dispute... I would say that I fall into that territory of some gesture of regard or respect when a guest or visitor enters the home being important and being important for everyone who's present to participate and engage in. And it doesn't need to be a grand gesture of welcome. It doesn't need to be uh, everyone's stands and uses full proper titles and names and does a round of introductions. But the particular scene that you paint, um, not to get too personal, Mm -hmm. I I think starts to cross over that line into territory where someone who is a guest in the home isn't necessarily being acknowledged. And I can appreciate how treasured that downtime can be. I can appreciate how important the, the time to check out and watch a movie or a favorite show or... A game. Nap. To just have a nap. Read a book even can really be to somebody. And at the same time, I also am someone, as those of you who listen to the podcast know, who really thinks it's important that we acknowledge each other's humanity. And those introductions, those partings are a big part of it. Having a, a family home that's cohesive and where the, the family is seen as operating as a unit that takes that that role of host with some level of seriousness, I think is also important, and that the the feet off up uh, in someone 's <laughs> face in particular sort of jumped out at me uh,
0: this is a very descriptive
1: question <laughs> it really is, so I, I think just some acknowledgement and and it can be anything it, depending on what the level of the formality of the situation is and I would say, a friend of yours, I might take a notch of formality up a little higher even than a friend of the kids, kids yeah so that maybe one is just a look over and say hi maybe another is you put a couple feet on the floor and you sit up so that you look someone in the eye and try to meet them a little more on their level even if you're not coming <laughs> all the way to standing but i think a talk ahead of time yeah. about what you would like to see i think is reasonable i think that having some Uh, slightly broader discussion about what those sort of minimum standards might be that are going to make everyone, including you, feel most comfortable is entirely reasonable. I think that I would be prepared for the other side of that equation also. And I'm imagining myself, what would be a scenario where I wouldn't want to be held accountable to (laughs) even this level of engagement? Because you're in your
0: home and it's your only downtime and you are defending this. And gosh darn it, you're just so sick of everyone else telling you what to do and when to do it.
1: If it were that important to me, exactly, I would have, that conversation ahead of time also. I would say, you know what? Sunday afternoons from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock when the Patriots are playing isn't a time I'm going to greet people. So if someone comes to visit then... That's a great time to entertain them, engage them in the kitchen, and all come say hi during halftime. Yeah, that they're. If, if, oh, you
0: if, even if, gave a middle territory right there.
1: Just you, just carve out a little bit of territory so that if if it really is, I only get an hour a week to read my favorite book, yeah. and I want to get caught up before the show comes on this evening yeah. or something like that. That you, you 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 there is space for those types of carve outs also.
0: What if you also just? What if your napping was done in your bedroom instead? you know, that's not a place that your kids are going to be bringing their friends to to say hello. You know what I mean? It's like there are ways to achieve that nap or that downtime in a place where it is your private room that other people really shouldn't be coming in. You know, random guests, your kids' friends aren't going to be like expected to want access to your your bedroom, you know, when Mm -hmm. they're over you know, and wanting to play soccer in the backyard. That to me is a more if you really want the level of privacy that Dan was just talking about and the level of downtime, I could see you wanting to do that upstairs where you're kind of not making the rest of the house move around you in this time that you want downtime. Now, that being said, maybe you don't have the TV in your bedroom. Maybe some other reason that this couch is is the place. And, and I can understand that, in which case I would, I would absolutely engage with what Dan had just said by creating those time boundaries. But the other thing that I want to get in here is, I remember as a kid how um, other people's parents weren't always – well, they certainly weren't my parents. I'm not as familiar with them. Sometimes they were scary people to me. Or sometimes my friend's husband, who I really don't know but who's made very little effort to ever talk to me, is just someone I don't feel that comfortable around. And you have to think every now and again that when people are coming to your home, they don't want to disturb you. They don't want to put you out. They don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. And it is amazing how much just sitting up on the couch and say, hey, Jan, so nice to see you today. Like, going back to my nap. Like, it does absolute wonders in making someone who doesn't live in this house Feel comfortable and welcomed in this house. And for that alone, I'm standing in the corner of, I think husband needs to, at the very least, do that. And I'm putting those words on it. I'm doing it. I'm making it official. If he's not, if husband isn't going to go upstairs and, and take himself out of that Regular entertaining area and space because I do think there's if that's what he wants, go for it and go. But do it in the place where that's appropriate when other people are entertaining guests. Something
1: else you just did really works well, too. Excuse me, I'm going to lay back down here and finish watching the show. Yeah. Magic words are magic. Excuse me, (laughs) pardon me, I'm sorry, this is not good hosting, but I'm going to put my feet back up on this couch and get back to the nap I was just taking. Those are magic words. They will give that guest that feeling of comfort and ease that Lizzie's talking about and excuse that...
0: Behavior! And they still make the other person feel welcomed and recognized, and they understand, don't worry about it. Like It's amazing how much that admission, in in such an honest and easy way, but when it comes with the greeting, all of a sudden everybody goes, ah, you know, and it's easy. And I do think there's just such a good place for this to be easy and not fraught.
1: In my show notes for this particular what question, I, I wrote a, a general agreement about bare minimums to be met. And yeah. I think that we're, we're talking about territory that's bare minimums. In some cultures, that showing the bottoms of your feet to someone is incredibly rude. And I'm not going to apply that cultural standard to an American household, but I, it, it starts to get into that territory that connects with people on a really visceral level. So that, that jumped out at me a little bit. But I wanted to make an acknowledgment that I am terrible about this. I, I have a standard that is in my bare minimum territory that I would never really want to impose on other people and I would understand needs to be compromised territory. I like a quick tidy up before there's a guest in the house. Right. At least the common areas or are the kitchen. It makes me uncomfortable if the house is messy or cluttered. Now, how horrible is that? That is not necessarily territory that everybody's going to be able to agree on or come to accord with. But just just to give an idea that there might be other standards where, I, for me, it's if, the, if there's the mess or the clutter, could that be in a private space? And there, there is a whole range here about sort of how people approach entertaining at home and, and what would be important before a guest comes in to make a guest feel comfortable. And I really do think of what the territory that you're describing being that minimum, bare minimum territory. You can tell them that you're laughing at me. <laughs> I'm
0: laughing at Dan for so many reasons right now. <laughs> Including the argument he and I got into last week about cleaning the kitchen in our office. But now I'm like, dude, if you had said that, I totally would have understood and been like, oh, OK, well, because it makes you uncomfortable, I'll totally help out. Like, oh, my gosh, that was hysterical. And I, but but so worthy and good. And just the little things to think about in terms of when you have all this casual entertaining going on, how can you still uphold the bare minimum? And the bare minimum is acknowledged. Acknowledging the people that come into your home and making sure that the other people who are going to be entertaining them also feel comfortable.
1: Need more manners in my home. We really hope that helps and that in the future you feel more comfortable entertaining.
0: Thank you so much for your questions. They truly are the heart of the show. And please don't don't let them end at the question. Send us updates. Send us comments. Did you deal with something that our listener dealt with and you would love to, to tell us how we could have made the answer better? We'd love to hear about it. So please send it into etiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463, or hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so that we know you want your question on the show.
1: Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Parasad writes in, in regards to our recent postscript on the job search in episode 128. Hi, Lizzie, and by proxy, Dan. (laughs) I hope you're both having an amazing weekend. I'm listening to your podcast and have a little feedback on the resume section. Two points are to not include a picture or give personal information such as marital status, number of children, etc. However, that's the norm in Europe and parts of Russia. Whenever I've had to hire bilingual people in the past, the resumes have flooded in with both of the aforementioned items. I realize that you're teaching us how to have amazing American etiquette and don't specialize in other regions. This is just something I've learned in the past few years that I thought you'd find cool to add to your knowledge base too. Thanks for all that you do. Warm regards. Yes, Lizzie, in an effort to be the yin to your yang, I really stepped up my cursing game in 2016 and was a total potty mouth. Tee hee. <laughs>
0: I to include that in there because I thought it was hysterical and I feel so good knowing that. <laughs> um, so thank you for being the yin to my yang, but also thank you for writing in. I thought this was great feedback. It's always important to, to make each other a little bit more aware of the broader world that we might encounter. And this is exactly what Parizad's feedback does. So thank you so much for taking the time to write in and broaden our horizons a little bit.
1: Anne wrote in in regards to our question, past due from episode 129. During a time in my career where I was responsible for collecting on past due invoices, some things that helped included making sure that the invoice was in the right person's hands. I want to make sure my invoice gets to the right party. Do you have an accounts payable department is a sample script question that was included. Asking for a specific time frame. Can you send out a check today or is there a day next week I should put on my calendar? So asking for a reply time or shifting the burden of continued financing back to the customer. I'm happy to charge this to a credit card for you. Do you have a number handy? Collegial firmness about terms of payment shouldn't be viewed as being difficult or inflexible. Viewed through another lens, it is one of many ways that a business communicates confidence in the value of what it provides. and M.
0: Anne is absolutely right. Making sure that you've got the request going to the right person is always a soft-touch way to prompt a response. But I like even more her suggestion of saying, what day should we expect to see the payment? And offering other methods of payment that may be ways to get this person to deliver that payment. They're all showing a helpful and very thoughtful way of saying, without saying, I need my money. When's it going to happen? And I think those soft-touches are really important. Um, I am still a big fan of clear and concise requests. And I think that any of Anne's suggestions would be absolutely helpful in, in making that clear and concise request.
1: Thank you, everyone, for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your text, comment, question, or update to etiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our postscript segment where we dive a little bit deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's postscript comes from the 18th edition of Emily Post Etiquette. And we won't be referencing this volume for that much longer because the 19th edition comes out on April 19th. That's the 19th edition of Emily Post Etiquette. But for now, we're still referencing the 18th. And on page 125 and 126, we talk a little bit about some basic international courtesies, particularly around greetings and introductions. Lizzie Post take us away.
0: I would love to. And one of the very first things that we talk about when you're thinking of traveling to other countries or experiencing other cultures, or when someone from another country or culture is going to come visit you, um, one of the very first things you're going to want to be able to do is to um, exchange simple greetings, right? Mm -hmm. And greetings, as we have learned, because they are manners, differ from culture to culture, country to country, and throughout time. And therefore, you are going to want to look up and pay attention attention to what are the standards of greetings? What are the standards of greetings between the types of people? If you were meeting a mother-in-law from another uh, country or culture, you would want to make sure that you were doing the proper introduction for a mother-in-law, not the proper introduction for the CEO at the business you're doing business with. So double check up on who it is that you're going to be interacting with and what are the proper greetings when interacting with this person.
1: One of the things that often comes up around these introductions is allowing for greater formality. Sometimes uh, informality is appropriate, but definitely there are times when you want to maybe notch it up just a little bit. And this is one of those times where you might want to pay attention to, to proper names and titles or being sure that you've got someone's name and title correct.
0: Absolutely. They can always invite you to use the familiar form with them.
1: You also want to pay really close attention to standards for grooming and dress. This sounds very obvious, but oftentimes the most obvious etiquette mistakes are mistakes that feel like common sense to one person, group, or culture and aren't necessarily to someone else. So paying a little bit of attention to uh, what an expected level of attire is for a first meeting is definitely something that is worth paying attention to. This can be especially important when you're visiting religious monuments or houses of worship. So you want to take extra care in those moments as well.
0: Right. Never hurts to have a shawl on you whenever possible. You also want to be open-minded when it comes to this culture or this country's customs and foods. These two particular things should never be insulted or looked down upon just because they're new or different to you. Fried crickets might be the delicacy. And so you just take that moment of saying... That's so different. We, You know, I've never experienced this before as opposed to, ew, oh my gosh, like that's vermin in our culture. Like you would never say something that even if it's what your brain is thinking, like this is a total disconnect. Don't show that disconnection. By all means, hold it in. (laughs) Another way that this comes across often is when people wind up saying, well, that's not the American way or insert the country that you're from. And that can also be equally insulting to people of the culture that you're visiting or or experiencing.
1: This next tip is one of my favorites because it's one that has saved me on a couple of occasions having it on my checklist. We recommend that you be familiar with gift-giving customs when you're visiting or receiving guests or visitors. Oftentimes, uh, an exchange of gifts is a really important part of manners. And we know this is true because we get the questions about the house guest gift, the bread and butter gift, the hostess gift all the time. And we debate and discuss the nuances and subtleties of how to manage that and Definitely the traditions around gift giving are really important. Sometimes it has to do with how you present or wrap or share the gift. It, it isn't so much about what it is as the process and the care with which that gift is exchanged. Sometimes that doesn't matter so much. Sometimes the gift would be seen as something insulting or as a in business situations as a bribe, and you want to be really careful. So you don't want to make assumptions on either side, but it's definitely worth thinking about a little bit ahead of time.
0: You also want to be really careful and respectful about praise or admiration of someone's possessions, you know, the things that are in their home or on their person. Believe it or not, but some cultures, it's actually the host's obligation to give you the item that you're complimenting on
1: no matter what it is. This is one that I've experienced personally.
0: Have you really? What? Please tell me because this was the most interesting in the list to me.
1: I was traveling with my parents and we were staying at a a hotel and I I made a comment about an article of clothing that someone was wearing, how cool I thought it was. And a little bit later that evening, there was a knock on the door and the person was there and they – Asked to speak to me and said, you know, where I'm from, if someone compliments you on something, it means you give it to them and presented me this article of clothing. And it's one of my favorite things. I love it. And you kept
0: it, it like the exchange happened and everything. And oh, wow.
1: To this day, reminds me of the generosity of that particular culture. It was a remarkable experience. No, but killing. I would be careful. <laughs> that is I am
0: I am so glad that you had that experience and that occurred only because that it, it to me it's such a fascinating difference in culture in in America that's not something that you would experience ever and it's so cool to me that that you have experienced this very point in our book that was definitely foreign in my mind. One that I think we often talk about here on this show um, because we deal so much with the, I'm a this type of eater and I'm headed to this type of eater's house type question is our next point, which is about not requesting food or drink that would not complement your host's dietary restrictions. So you don't go to a vegan's home and ask for meat or you don't request something that if someone's keeping kosher would go against the lines of a kosher kitchen. Um, you really want to just stay within the realms that that home, household, or culture has
1: set. A final thought is to avoid being loud in speech, actions, or clothing. If there is a question that comes up in your mind about whether or not this would be a little bit too much, if that little discretionary voice is sounding, when you are crossing cultural boundaries, it's one of those times where I like to think that's one of those moments you want to defer to that little discretionary voice. You <laughs> want to give it a little more, um, give it a little more volume. If you think of it as that little helpful angel sitting on your shoulder, giving you some direction, because these are moments where you're more likely to find yourself in manners territory that's unfamiliar, and definitely proceeding with just a little bit of care can go a long way towards keeping you out of difficult or awkward situations.
0: And one action that a lot of Americans are unsure about is whether or not to stand and, you know, often remove a hat is also associated with that during another country's national anthem. And we absolutely suggest that you do. It shows a sign of respect. You're not pledging your allegiance to that country. You are simply standing and respecting the fact that their national anthem is being played, and that is appropriate to do so. We hope that that helps for those of you who might be thinking about traveling to other countries or cultures, or for those of you that might be entertaining people from other countries or cultures, and that this might just help that great divide be a little less of a divide.
1: We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today's salute comes from Hannah, whose friend Justine was a real super mom.
0: Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'd like to salute my friend Justine and a very kind gentleman who helped us out of a very stressful situation. Yesterday, Justine and I packed up my car with our babies, five months and eight months old, and a load of boxes to take to her new house. As we were getting off the freeway, my car completely died, and I was unable to have enough power to steer it to the side of the road, so we were left in the middle of a busy street. I was incredibly flustered and pretty nervous that we were going to get hit with our babies in the back seat. Justine was completely calm about the situation and helped get both babies out of the car and to the sidewalk and into the shade as it was really hot day in Southern California while she was talking on the phone to get someone to pick us up. It really was a supermom moment watching her walk across the busy intersection on the phone with a car seat and a diaper bag in each hand. Meanwhile, a very sweet gentleman ran to help me push my car to a safe spot while I called the tow truck. I was so touched by his willingness to take the time to help us get out of a potentially dangerous situation. Unfortunately, in all the hullabaloo, I didn't get a chance to get his contact info and properly thank him. But if he is listening, I want him to know that he's very. Very much appreciated and has our sincerest thanks for his kindness. Also to Justine, who is also an avid listener. Thank you so much for helping to keep my baby safe and keeping calm to get us through that crazy hour. You are much loved. Hannah.
1: I love that etiquette salute. It's one of my I'm favorites. i going say, that's
0: got to resonate with you right now. Well, it,
1: it does, and, but I'll tell you, it's also because it's what I w- would dream and imagine that somebody who listens to the show might hear themselves given an etiquette salute. So I, I really want to salute both Hannah and Justine for sharing and for being such good friends. It's only common courtesy, Chuck. I know, but I couldn't help it. She says you're not as rude as you used to be. Thank you so much to everyone who's out there listening, and thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send us your next question, comment, or salute to Etiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore post.
0: And I'm at Lizzie A. Post.
1: On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. You can help us out. Subscribe on iTunes or ask a friend or family member to subscribe on iTunes. And if you really love the show, please leave us a review. Our show is produced and edited by Chris Albertine, and our Awesome Etiquette intern is Michaela Veranuk.